So what does it mean when you hear people say that, oh, you just need to be in communion with people? What does that mean for Christians? And what does that look like living that out each and every day? We'll talk about that today on Mission Likeness. Why, hello there. My name is Scott. Thanks for joining us here on Mission and Likeness. Um, the purpose of this show is to help Christians to see what our mission is, to look at how God is using us in his overall mission uh, to save and to redeem people. And and then how how do we stay on that mission? How, how do we do that while staying in the likeness of Christ? You know, how we do things is really important. And so we try to uh, look at good examples of, you know, how God is working in, in people's lives and how do we guard ourselves from what is happening in culture. Um, that's, that's, that, that's our focus. And so thanks for joining us here today. Uh, so on the program today, um, Adam Michael, good friend of mine, is going to be joining me. And we're going to be talking about this idea of what true loving discipleship is. You know, discipleship is one of those words that also kind of gets thrown around and it can get um, kind of watered down, you know, where discipleship is just hanging out with friends and having a good time. And um, and that's really not what it is. Uh, that That's not true biblical discipleship. And that's actually, we'll get into that later on. Uh, so he's coming up and you know, I was reading on Desiring God today, uh, Ray Ortland just came out with a, uh, a new article titled, Who Helps You Enjoy God? And that got me thinking of this whole idea of what, what is the purpose of being in community uh, or being in communion, the communion of saints? What, what is that? Like, what does that look? Is that something that we just do on Sundays? Is that something that we um, you know, design, designate to a time or place? Is that, you know, joining a small group? You know, what what is this communion of saints and what does that look like? And, and how does that communion help us to grow closer to God or enjoy God or give glory to God? Because our mission is, simply put, to bring others to, to share the gospel with others in the hopes that they come to faith in Christ and to love others to the way God loves us. And that, and that brings glory to God. So what does true communion look like amongst the saints? I think one of the things that I've noticed and and if you listen to people talk you know they say oh we're going to church on sunday or you know we have this activity and i think that in a, in a roundabout way we have kind of minimized the christian involvement of our lives to being we go to the building on sunday we experience church we take in church maybe we volunteer here and there a couple of times or we go to wednesday night activities or we attend some of these external things and and those are okay things i'm not saying that those are bad but where does the nitty-gritty of everyday live how where do you go to to work out 
the the ins and outs of your life. I mean, we all live with struggles. We all live with, you know, problems and sin that we are trying to just navigate each and every day. And I think as you grow in your walk with Christ, you're going to see that those struggles become more um more pressing on you. You you want to get rid of it. You want to be relieved of the sin because you want to grow closer to Christ. You want to be obedient in your walk with Christ. So where do you go to have those conversations? How is that lived out each and every day? You know, in the middle of a, a Sunday sermon, you're not going to stand up and be like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Um, can I get some advice? That's not the place for that. You don't solicit prayer requests right in the middle of a service. And so there's got to be more to living out the Christian life than just attending one of the, the, the corporate gatherings of your church. And it's, it's unrealistic to think that you go to just your, your pastor in order to receive counsel, to receive prayer, to share good news or exciting news or to share, you know, things that you're going through as, a, as an individual or as a family or something that a family member is going through. Who's helping you with your blind spots? We all have blind spots. We all have areas of our lives that are um, known by other people, but we're, we're blind to them. We can't possibly see them. So who, who helps you with that? Who is guarding your heart there? So we see the need for having people in your lives that aren't just those at the top level. You know, the, the worship team can do a, a great job at helping you sing and orient your heart and, and worshiping God through music. That's wonderful. The individual who, who reads scripture at your house or the greeter or at, at your house, at your, at your church or the greeters or the people that volunteer within your church, that's, that's all good. But are you feeling like you can go to them and, and completely open up your heart? What about who, whoever's preaching? Do you feel like you can go there? So I think by asking this question, these questions of where do you go for the, for the nitty-gritty of what you're going through, we, we see that there's a, a void that the corporate experience, the corporate gathering on Sundays doesn't provide. So that must mean that that is supposed to come from another source. And I think that is the premise for this community of saints, these, these people that you come around and, and live your life around. It's, it's an orientation of your life. It is who you are partnering with, who you are locking arms with and saying, I'm for you, you're for me, we are in this fight together because each and every day is a fight. If you're not looking at your spiritual walk as a fight each and every day against sin, then I'd love to hear what, what, what are you seeing it as? When the Sunday service ends, the church doesn't. Again, church isn't something that you go to. It's something that you are. It is your identity. We are the church. You know, Ephesians 5 talks about how Christ loves the church, and we as believers are all members of that church. 
So a couple of examples. What do we do? Um, you know, friends, friends of mine, you know, just uh, this past Sunday, we, we got together um, just naturally. Uh, after the, the service was over, we got together, talked about the sermon, talked about what was going on in our lives. And, and it was just an organic thing where we, we wanted to talk. We wanted to, you know, hear each other's thoughts. And we also needed to, to, to guard hearts against different things that are going on in our lives. That was on a Sunday after the, after the service. On a Wednesday night, you know, whenever you know, you're, you're walking, uh, our, our church at least has Wednesday night activities, and, you know, you, you stop to talk to a, a friend of yours who family members having health, health issues or uh, a friend of theirs is having health issues, and you're, you're just saying, hey, you know, how can, how can we be praying for you? How can we be helping you? How can we, we, we be supporting you or, or your friend's family? You know, what, what is it that we can do? How can we catch up on that? It's sharing sin that you are battling in the moment with your group of people and them responding back to you with not, hey, we'll be praying for you, which again, isn't a bad thing, but it's them replying back to you and saying, here's some truth about God that I'm going to speak into your life. Here's the reality of who God is and what he has done. And what does that mean for you in your present situation? But the only way those people can actually speak those truths into someone's life is by knowing that bottom level of where that person is. They have to know what you're what you're dealing with and what you're struggling with and what your what your triggers are. Do you have those people in your life? I am I am beyond thankful that I have men in my life and and we have uh, families of people in our life who who are our people that that we can share things with that we commune with that we are orienting our lives around with within our church people who we know their bad news they know our bad news but together we know the good news If you are looking at the communion of people that you are with as just a Bible study, as just a hangout, as just a place to have a good time, or maybe you just swap kids so that you can have a date night, again, all of those are beneficial, all of those are great, but that's not discipling. That's loving, but that's not discipling, that's not helping people grow closer to Jesus. So what's the point of it? What's the point of having a community of people where, where you are battling sin together, where you are, you know, maybe swapping out for a date night? You know, those are good things too. That's part of it. What's, what's the benefit of that? Well, one, I think it keeps us in our own hearts accountable. When we can have people who are saying, hey, you know, what's going on with you? I haven't talked to you for a while. You've kind of like isolated. You've kind of stepped back. Is everything all right? You know, it adds a level of accountability for us. You know, especially for men, we, we tend to not want to share what's going on. We, we tend to think that we are the ones that need to control and orchestrate and plan and manage. And, and you know, not saying that women can't do that either, but, but men t- tend to be a little bit more prideful in that. We tend to say, no, we need to be the ones that are, 
that are, you know, controlling the situation and, and providing and doing all this stuff. And, and and that's just really just putting the reliance on ourselves and not on God. And we, and we need people to call ourselves out on that. We need people to be able to, to love us enough to be able to say, hey, dude, like, what are you thinking in this? And not just telling us that that we're wrong or that we're messing up. I mean, the the point of it is not just to to point out flaws, but the point is to point us back to Jesus. And when we can come around people who we all know that we're all reliant on on Jesus, we all know that that we don't have the ability. We are full of inabilities. We're 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 depraved to our sin. When we can come together and say, we don't have it together, we're struggling, we're going through this mud each and every day, we don't know what's happening with our kids, we don't know what's happening with our communication with our spouses, we don't, we don't know what's happening with our health, but we can come together and we can say that we worship and we trust and we have faith in the God who created us because he's the one worthy of all of our praise. That is the purpose, so that we can come together collectively in a, in a community to give praise to Jesus. And if we have these pockets of people that are, that are loving each other and discipling well, coming together and gathering in a church building on a Sunday morning to sing the praises, to hear God's word preached, to hear the gospel laid out for all of those in the, in the congregation to hear, the gospel hits you different. The good news hits you different when you're in community with people. When the gospel's presented and you hear the good news, you're not thinking, I mean, I already know this, but hopefully someone else hears this. You're saying, no, this, I needed this today too. The gospel doesn't become something in the past. The gospel is something that believers need each and every day. But I think we look at it as, oh, the gospel is just for people who haven't come to faith yet. Those who don't believe, they need to hear the gospel. But we need it each and every day too. When our focus is on God and not our ability, when the focus is on Jesus and what he has done and not what we are doing, you know, that's where, that's where we begin to be on the right track. So this daily discipling, this loving discipleship that we long for, that, that we as a church, if that's not the church's focus to, to build disciples who are pouring into people, uh, that, that needs to be the focus. But what does that look like each and every day? Uh, we'll be talking about that with Adam Michael coming up in just a minute. over today uh, to join the city uh, with Troy Ferguson to record uh, an episode with him. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. So that'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, but in the meantime, head over to join the city's Facebook page. Look at all the content they're doing. Troy does a great job. Uh, so go over and support them.
Hey, are you a content creator that has a desire or are already creating gospel-centered content like podcasts, music, film, or blog posts? If you are, we would love to collaborate with you here at Love Local. If that's something that interests you, head over to lovelocalpa.com backslash partner and fill out our creative partner form, and then we can reach out to you and hopefully get a new project started. Welcome back to Love Local, and this is Mission and Likeness, so thanks for joining us. I am joined by a good friend of mine, Adam Michael. Um, you know, I talk on the show about the the group of guys that I have in my life that, you know, speak truth to me, that hold me accountable, that help me to see the good news for what it is, and that is dominant over whatever else I'm believing. And so I wanted to have him on the show today to kind of talk about just what what it means to be a disciple each and every day. So Adam, thanks for joining me, bud. Thanks, Scott. It's good to be here. Um, okay. So this idea of discipling, and I, I talked earlier that it's kind of like a buzzword. You know, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, like I need to be in discipling relationships and, you know, I have a disciple group or a small group or an accountability group, you know, those are big things. And it's not that they're bad, but have you seen that that's kind of just like a hijacked, a hijacked (laughs) word of like, yeah, you're just kind of hanging out with people, right? Like an affinity group. Um, Yeah, I I see that happen quite a bit. Um, I would say that the thing that would distinguish a, di- a discipling relationship as opposed to, um, you know, just a relationship, like you said, where you just kind of, you have some things in common or you just enjoy hanging out uh, would be the the presentation of the gospel in that relationship, kind of like what you were just saying about how our relationship kind of works. Um, you know, we have some common things that we enjoy uh, here on planet Earth, but, but we see that discipleship is so much different uh, of a deeper relationship because of the implementation of Jesus into their, our conversations. Um, I think that, I think it sounds funny, but I think Jesus is kind of taken out of a lot of uh, situations, like in a disciple, quote unquote, disciple relationship. Right. It's kind of like sometimes it's like, oh yeah, we have a group of friends and we talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel we, we try very hard. Like we, we, we try hard to make it, hey, we're centered around Jesus and we do other things together. You know, like Jesus needs right. to be the foundation of what we're doing, not like, oh yeah, whenever we get a chance, we talk about Jesus. I feel like our conversations at least, and I know for some people this might sound boring, but like our conversations are like, all right, so how Jesus, how is the spirit working? Like what's going on in our hearts? And if we have time, then yeah, we can talk about, you know, you're, you're big into like disc golf and, and that kind of stuff sure. that, that kind of comes second, but a lot of people it's, it's, yeah, I mean, if we get to it, we get to it. Yeah. I would say, um, yeah, even just bringing up his name. I mean, it's, it's so powerful, uh, because of the, the recollection that it brings just in conversation, but, um, it's not even like, uh, we, I, I see some people just talk about them in a bad news situation, which is really really important you know we all have our have bad news uh whether you're following jesus or not following jesus um but 
I think if you're in a relationship with somebody where you're helping them through their bad news, helping them to believe the gospel in those situations, then it needs to be coupled with also celebrating good news and victories and you know things like that. And I think that goes a long way in a relationship. But how do you get to that point with someone? I mean, I, I was just trying to think before before we started recording, you know, how, how long have we been friends? I can't, I can't remember now. I mean, it's yeah. been, yeah, Tiff's the timeline. My wife's the timeline person. I'm bad with years yeah, and stuff like that. But. I was like four year, four or five years, maybe. I mean, and it may be like really close friends for the last yeah, yeah, three yeah. or so. Sure. Um, yeah, I would say it just means um, that, I mean, intentionality is another kind of buzzword that pops up, but really that, that is what it is. Um, getting intent, you know, learning, your likes, your dislikes, um, and to get to that level, you're you're asking people a lot of questions. I mean, that's what Jesus kind of did, uh, just to pry at the hearts of people. So, uh, you know, first and foremost, you have to be intentional in getting to know people, and and then as that process is happening, you're listening to actually what they're saying and how that lines up with Scripture and. Uh, belief in the gospel. So it's not like you want to just hit somebody over the head, the, you know, the second like the spirit lays on your heart, like, oh, they're not, they're not believing the gospel, you know, in in this regard, because of maybe they're just how they're speaking about their coworkers or about their spouse or something like that. It's not like you want to pounce on that person and, and, you know, attack them and berate them because that's not always loving. Um, but always looking for an opportunity to help and guide them towards following Jesus yeah, instead of just following themselves or a better version of themselves. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, they just, they just want to, I mean, that's also another buzz kind of thing. Like, I just, I just want to be a better version of myself, yeah. um, which to an extent, I mean, yeah, we want to be more like Christ. Uh, I mean, I guess that would kind of rip away the wanting to be like ourselves, but you know, yeah. Uh, so yeah, whatever on that. Uh, what does, what does it mean for you if someone says, Adam, define what it means to be on mission for Jesus. What is it? It, it looks like um, sacrificing a lot of time um, to help others to reorient their lives to believing the gospel in, in every aspect of their life. And I think we just shortchange the gospel to, to think that it only belongs in certain parts of our lives. So for me, uh, it means like gathering with people. Um, it usually just starts uh, by God kind of laying somebody on my heart. I know we say that, but, um, you know, he just puts people in your path and you have a, a like a compassion and sincerity for them. Uh, and there's, there's different levels of mission. You know, there, there's uh, like nitty gritty mission. Some, you can be on mission at the in passing at the grocery store with somebody or a stranger or something like that. You know, I often um, talk about relationships as like a ripple effect where you throw a, a rock in a pond and you have a, a well-defined ripple. That's usually the people I refer to as like the people that are closest to me. But then again, I still have people that are in that, that less defined ripple, you know, um, if you throw the rock in the pond that you just kind of see in passing sometimes. But we're actually called to be on mission with those people as well. It just means it's the same gospel. I just communicate it differently in a different way, if that makes any sense. So um, when I, you know, I teach third through fifth grade, 
Uh, I can teach the same passage or have the same conversation with a third through fifth grader that I would um, with you. Mm -hmm. But I would just communicate it a little bit differently um, because of kind of where they're at. So you got to know being on mission means you know where the people are at. So you, you have a good sense or a good idea on how to communicate the gospel to them. And to get to that level of the relationship, you said like you're, you're asking questions. And, and this isn't something that you get to a discipling uh, situation maybe day one. Right. You know, I, I remember this was early on in our friendship. You know, we had lunch over at Dave's Dream. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you had said to me, how's your Bible reading? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I mean, it's, this is what I'm going through. And you were like, all right, because if you're not even in your Bible, like what I'm going to be sharing with you is just information. Like if God's not speaking to you through his word. But what spurred that conversation? Do you remember? I don't. So we're at this, that splash park and you like hijacked me. There was a bunch of people there because it was a, it was a pretty big gathering. Okay. You said something along the lines of, uh, how do you do what you do? And I'm like, mm. dude, that's super vague. I have no idea what you're talking about right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how do you do what you do? Like, how do you find time to do this and that and the other thing? And um, knowing kind of where you were at, we didn't know each other super well, but I had an idea because your guys were really little at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And mine were not so little, but still kind of little. About where mine are. No, they still would have been a, a little yeah, older than where mine are now, yeah. Um, and I kind of explained that to you. Like, well, you know, I have a little more time on my hands to uh, outreach. Yeah. Where when I was you know, to the point where my guys were your guys age at the time, it was in reach, you know, like really focused on, um, you know, wife, kids and things like that. Um, but it, it wasn't until you just kind of stepped out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. and asked me that simple question. And a lot of times I'm using that in my day to day. And I can't tell you how many people since have just come up to me. And I see that as, as a spirit led thing for people to do. Cause that's just not a normal thing for people to do. Just to step out and just ask somebody that you don't really know that well, um, a, a question like that, you know, some people approach me and say, I don't, I'm not in community with anybody and I don't even know their name, you know, but they still approach me. And so it, it's instances like that, that usually spur more and more conversation and it's, yeah, it just depends on where where God takes yeah. it from there. That's super super awesome that you remember that because now that now that you're saying that I, I'm remembering that because we were in a really busy season of life uh, because I had just started teaching mm -hmm. and and it was just I I wasn't sure how how do I lesson plan how do I yeah be a dad how do yeah. I be a husband it's like this balancing act yeah that trying to do yeah. yeah and and so I I think that that counsel was super wise. Uh, going back to one of your answers, which was, are you rooted in, in the Bible? Right. Um, and, and that's something that I still think about, but, but knowing the context is actually, it hits a little bit deeper. Um, okay, so that's the mission, to, to help people to reorient their lives. Right. How does knowing that, and, and you talked already a little bit about it, like, okay, so how, how maybe I speak to my wife versus how I speak to my kids, it kind of requires you to use that intentionality to figure out how to approach conversations. Exactly. Yeah, there's different intellectual levels, you know, like people's backgrounds has a lot to do with that. 
Um, you know, trust mm. has a lot to do with that. You know, people that have been through really rough relationships. Um, it just takes um, a lot of, uh, my friend Brian calls it invitation and challenge. Yeah. You know, where you're doing a lot of invitation to show, like, to sh earn the right to speak truth um, to people. It it can be really difficult with some. And then others are just, will just blab and blab and blab and blab and have no, you know, no problem opening up. Um, so it's just kind of being sensitive uh, to every soul that you come in contact with, knowing that everybody's different, um, but we all have the same need. So it's, it's almost like, um, I, I used to talk to my dad about this uh, to try to help him understand is, um, you don't want to try to like diagnose the arteries because he was like a medical guy. Mm. Um, so I would use medical terminology. That's another thing. If you find out what people like, then you can use that as your analogy. So if you like cars then you can use car analogies, to right. point them, you know, illustrations, but he was a medical guy. So if you're talking about sin, like a sin issue, uh, you don't want to be like trying to diagnose the artery whenever it's really rooted in his, in the heart. If the, so if the heart's the problem, then you're just kind of spinning your wheels uh, you know, g going after a nerve ending or an artery or something like that. So, but how, how do you, how do you with like younger kids, you know, cause you, you teach in third, fourth, is it fifth as well? Yeah. So third through fifth grade, you know, how, how do you get them to understand or begin to even give them handles to hold on to like, this is a heart issue that, that you're experiencing and not just a, well, I want this. Um, a couple different things. So I, I think being animated helps. <laughs> I mean, kids love that. Uh, to be animated definitely helps. Um, but at the same time, uh, not, not degrading them. I mean, kids, even at that age, are just so intelligent. And they're like sponges and honest and authentic. You know, I feel like they get into like the teenage years and they kind of want to be a little more reserved. Uh, but it's, it's, it's great. I, I basically have the same conversations with them that I would someone older. Um, you know, obviously you're not using big words, right? Uh, but still trying to get them to the root of, of kind of what Jesus is, is really teaching, you know, just not being superficial with the teaching, trying to show them the, the, the meaning behind you know, a passage or a lesson or something like that. And it's not just morality. I feel like lots of times with kids, people's approach is just, you know, do good, don't do bad, you know, type of thing. Like, like the man that built the, the house on the rock and mm -hmm. built his house on the sand. You know, there's, there's such rich theology in that. And um, so my number one thing would just be to not treat them like they're idiots, yeah. basically. You know, they're very, very smart. So I kind of, talk to them like they were in seventh, eighth, ninth grade, like raise the bar a little bit. And so far it seems like kids will gravitate. Well, up. That, that's kind of that invitation and challenge. I mean, you're challenging them to expand kind of their mindset and how they're seeing things. Right. And it's, you've shared, uh, you know, with me at least, you know, some of the answers that you're getting from these kids and they're, they're thinking deep level things. Right. Um, and, and I think it's important to, to have a mindset as a leader, as a, and, and not just because you're a man, but, but as a, as a 
as a man for, you know, the, the younger guys in there that you're teaching to be able to model, okay, so this is, this is how I'm living my life and to be able to relate to them that way. But how, have you seen? I would say mission though, doesn't look like a class or a program. I, yeah. I think what segregate, what, what separates mission from just teaching a class looks like you're, you're intentionally pouring into a, a third grader knowing that they're part of my, my body, my local body and helping them even as they're growing up through junior high or high school, like, you know, always looking for opportunities to, um, you know, whether, whether it's just something small, like wishing them a happy birthday or something like that. But again, earning the right to, to let them know that you do care about them and they're not just, you know what I mean? Like in your way, I guess. Yeah. So, so you're also an SGL for eighth graders. Correct. Correct. Um, how, how do you how do you separate the mindset and how are you able to uh, pivot from, you know, talking to third through fifth graders to, okay, now I need to reorient your own head. Like how, how do you, how do you go to the Lord in, in prayer and ask the spirit, okay, help me? Like, like what's your approach? Yeah, it's, it's, it is a lot of questions. I mean, just. Um, they don't realize it. I feel like a, like a shrink half the time, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but when the preparation, uh, looks like I want to know their heart, like, I don't, I don't like the Sunday school answers. So I do everything I can to get around again, that superficial, just, you know, tell me what I want to hear type of thing. Um, so it, it looks like a lot of questions. Um, and again, they don't really know that what I'm, why I'm asking what I'm asking, but it's, it's like a long run approach. Like I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. So I'm, I'm basically storing up some stuff to know how they, what they see as good news, what the, it goes back to the car thing and, and whatever else. So if they're, you know, a lot of my eighth graders are into sports, so I can use sports to, to reveal pride in their, in their life. So as a third grader, you're very prideful. Um, you know, as a 33 year old man, you're very prideful. Uh, so it's, it just looks like getting to know them at that stage of life and seeing, um, what the enemy is using to pry sin out of them. And so it's, again, it's, it's kind of this, this, the same diagnosis, but it's just revealing itself in different ways. So really for me, there's not a lot of um, there's nothing different, uh, for me really between ages. Uh, it's just trying to be sensitive to what's going on in their life. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's super important. I want to, I want to spend the last half of our conversation talking about the difference between how, how do we begin to identify what, as we're asking those questions, like how do we identify what people want to hear versus what they need to hear? How do we do that in a loving way? How do we handle conflict in those situations? Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, when when you are when you're talking about how you are then pouring into these kids, how how then do you stay on mission? Like who who is there to pour into you? Because you're you're not the source of it. You're just the the communicator of it. So 
you talked about how you pour into other people, but how, how do you say? Yeah, I, I don't like complacency. Um, I think a, a big part of it is just being able to uh, see how some Christians can be complacent and to see uh, the fruit that is generated through that isn't exactly healthy. And I think, um, I think for me, it looks like I need to, I want to be uh, at a level where people can count on me. So that means that um, I need to be available in, in a way, like I want to be approachable, I guess is a better way to say that. And that has looked like in my life, people that have also made themselves available or approachable for me to go to for questions. So it's not something I just kind of like came up with by myself. It's been modeled. So it's kind of like it is a process that is able to be replicated and uh, scalable. You know, Jesus said, you know, he poured into 12, mainly three, right. you know, and then they began to just continually uh, repeat the process, which right. we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that too. Uh, I want to get to our on-air sponsor um, today, and it is Love Local. Uh, so we're making all this content here on Love Local uh, because we want to begin to help shape a Christian culture that sees the goodness of who God is, what he has done, and then what our response is as followers of Christ. I mean, if we are going to come out and say that we believe in who Jesus is, then we want as Love Local to be providing content that is helping you stay on that mission, stay on track. Uh, and, and that means that we're going to be putting out uh, some some comedic stuff. We're going to be putting out some inspiration, uh, not inspirational, but uh, educational things. We're going to be putting out some theological things. We want to really come around your entire life. Like, how do you reorient your life? We want to help you in that. So you can join us over at lovelocalpa.com if you're watching on YouTube uh, or Rumble. And then you can follow us on all of our social medias as well. So uh, I'm here with Adam Michael, um, and we're talking about discipleship and, and just what that looks like and, and how do you really how do you really understand what discipleship is? And we talked about that this is discipleship when it comes down to it is helping others to see the good news, helping them to reorient, repent of sin, trust in Jesus day in and day out. Like it is a constant battle that we're in. And, and we kind of ended the last segment with, it, it's something that Jesus made in order to be replicated. And so you were talking about how the way that you can continually pour into all of the different people that you're pouring into is by having people who are pouring into you that are helping you and people are helping them. I mean, it's a really beautiful kind of thing when you, when you really look back and see how it works. Yeah. It's, it's uh, a maturing process is really what it is. So uh, if you're taking a step back and you're not seeing a maturing process in your life, uh, then you, you gotta start asking why questions. And if it means that you're not in community with people that are, like you said, holding you accountable or just asking you questions and finding out, uh, you know, is the gospel actually good news to you? It can be something that we confess without actually believing. So just walking through um, the, the Bible is super powerful. <laughs> so. 
understatement yeah. of the year. But it really, really is. So just being able to be um, alongside somebody and study it and ask the questions and, you know, even being ignorant at times uh, to, to try to ultimately get to the, the, the crux of the gospel. And I like what you said that um, oftentimes we try to reinvent the wheel where Jesus had it implemented so beautifully. And, and I think as we just take our eyes off of him, that's kind of where we do get in the weeds and we develop a rut that isn't probably as fruitful. You know, you might see fruit here and there, but I mean, Jesus had the method, you know, of being intentional in, in the lives of his followers, his disciples, and did some teaching along the way. So that was right. pretty good. But. Yeah. And so I think that we can, we can definitely get lost on our way whenever we try to, when we stick to what we want, you know, when we make the theology uh, a Scott theology mm -hmm. and, and I say, you know what, I'm going to teach you and I'm going to disciple you on what, what I like to talk about. And, and maybe that, maybe that includes some tough things or maybe it doesn't, but how, how do you... How do you guard against giving people what they want to hear so that you can develop a close relationship with them? Because I would say that it's a it's a facade. It's not really as close as you're pretending it is if you're not getting to the root of it. Right. Versus actually presenting people with this is who God is. Yeah. How how do you how do you do I'll, it? I'll tell you what, nothing has helped me more than to do that very thing for myself. Hmm. So we often don't want to preach the gospel to ourselves. And it sounds like something like, oh yeah, I just got to start doing that. But you, the, the amazing ramifications that it has on you, it's just like learning a language almost, you know, you just become fluent then in it. If it's something that you're speaking, you know, like every other week in your small group, then you're probably not going to pick up that language quite as quickly as you would if you're speaking it 20 times a day. So as I'm speaking it to myself, I'm speaking to my own bad news. And it doesn't sound like, Adam, you need to be just better. You need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Not given I try that there's, there's, there's no good fruit that ends up coming from that. It's, it's, it's only like an implosion in my soul where I'm trying to just do it by myself instead of realizing that Jesus has already done it. So then hearing other people having the same issue, it's me having that conversation I have with myself, now having it with them. And it doesn't mean pointing them back to themselves. It means making them realize their need is, is not themselves or a better version of them. It's pointing them to, to Jesus and what he's taught about yeah. Whatever the situation is now, for someone who may be new to to hearing this kind of okay, I need to I need to speak the gospel to myself. So does that mean okay, I, I, I'm I'm stressed about this thing happening in my family. I just need to tell myself Jesus died for my sins, and if I believe in Him, I go to heaven. Is that what you mean by speaking the gospel? Uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, honestly, sometimes, but. Uh, most times it has a lot to do with understanding, uh, the, the love of Jesus. Um, the fact that he's gracious and every time I screw up, it's, it's kind of weird. Like 
I I see his arms like wide open like this in a way. It's just like my my picture, my yeah. go-to like whatever word picture uh, of of it's just a welcoming you know Jesus and it's it, it helps me to repent. Like it gives me a a, a beautiful uh, Jesus to turn to instead of it just being like a you know. Um, Again, me just trying to like turn from myself and turn to myself, it just doesn't work out that way. So it kind of it's removing yourself as the hero of your own story and making Jesus the hero. Yeah. I mean and And that's where the word is powerful because if you don't have a clear view of who Jesus is, it might be because you don't understand your or the yeah. the holistic view of the Bible or the holistic view of scripture. I think the difficult thing for a lot of people in in having gospel conversations is is they they're they're selling the gospel short, and and that's not to say that saying Jesus died for my sins isn't a, a ridiculously merciful thing that God has done, mm-hmm. but but you need to look at that and, and how how does it benefit? Like how does it truly change who you are as a person? And you need to look at just that mercy, that grace, that sovereignty, that love that he had. Yeah, you can't get it anywhere else. No. And I think that's the that's a big deal is we try to and we can't. And and honestly, that's that that is what gets my heart over the hump is is just knowing that there's nothing that I can do to change that. that, that there's nothing I can do to to take away that grace. It's I don't know. It's like a freeing feeling, I guess. And I think the more you experience that, the more you experience the depth of the gospel and and, um, and God's grace, you want other people to experience that. You don't want people to to have to walk around feeling like they're chained up or, you know, that you want them to, to feel free and the freedom that Jesus has given you. When you're having a conversation with someone, and they're they're talking a lot of their bad news. They're talking about what's going on in their lives and, and what they're struggling with. How do you lovingly point them back to Jesus without it coming across as, Adam, you're being a dum-dum, <laughs> like you're all about yourself and, and you looking like you're fixing them? How how do you how do you not come off as even I'm the hero trying to figure you out and set you straight versus saying, Hey, Adam, like, are you looking at Jesus? Yeah, that is tough. Honest. Um, it, it is hard to be loving in those situations. And I found that questions help a lot with that. You're, you're prying cause it's not, I'm not the one that convicts, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not my job to do that. Um, if I'm a shoulder to cry on then praise God, for that, you know, that moment. Um, but asking questions, um, getting, getting to the level where it sounds kind of funny, but using their words, I don't want to say against them, but in, in this case, if we're battling a sin, then it is, then we're battling an enemy We're we're fighting against the enemy and to see, you know, from out of the abundance, the heart of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, helping people realize that when they're confessing these things then helping them again diagnose what's going on at the heart level and that looks like a question most times like 
and, and sometimes I'm off base. So you ask a question and it's like, okay, so that's, that's not, that's not the path, you know, and, and, you know, like the, the fruit and the root thing. So you're trying to, you know, trace it back to the root. Yeah. Well, I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. I uh, appreciate your friendship even more. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope you find it uh, beneficial for what you're going through and how you can help disciple people lovingly in your life and what that might look like. And it's pointing them to Jesus. So that's all we have for today. Uh, make sure you follow us on all the socials and head over to lovelocalpa.com. And hey, tell a friend to watch Mission and Likeness.